This is episode number 223 with Saeed Balki of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Go, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Founder Podcast. My name is Nathan Chan. I am the CEO and publisher of Founder Magazine. I'm the host of this show, and I'm coming to you live from hometown, homegrown Melbourne, Australia. So I just wanted to say thanks so much for taking the time to share earbuds with me, and uh, hope you have an awesome day wherever you are around the world. Um, it's uh, really sunny here in Melbourne, and uh, yeah, I'm loving the weather. So let's talk about today's guest, Saeed. Uh, now, he's created a few companies. Um, I know, you know, Optin Monster as, as his most notable, but he's done a lot of different things. And if you guys are interested around acquiring a company or that whole acquisition side of things, I really picked his brain on this because this is something that I'm interested in now. Like, you know, founders growing really at a really good pace and I got to drop like, you know, we're hiring a ton of people if, you know, if it interests you to, to join a growing company that has an incredible team on a mission to build a household name, entrepreneurial brand, impacting tens of millions of people on a weekly basis with our content and really democratizing in this educational stuff around, you know, what it takes to become a successful entrepreneur. If that excites you, please go to founder.com forward slash careers. I have to plug that because some of the best people that can join us are in our community. But Coming back to Saeed, uh, incredible guy. If you're interested around, you know, acquiring companies, growth, and also bootstrapping and all sorts of things like that, we go through a lot. I'm really interested in this kind of stuff because we're in a position now where, you know, if we wanted to, we could acquire a distressed asset like what Saeed does and then turn it around. And you can do some incredible things if you have a brand and can just kind of bolt on different products. And this is the thing. These are the kinds of things that we're thinking about and looking at. So anyways, that's it from me. I hope you guys are enjoying this show. If you are, quick favor, 
it takes two seconds. If you could leave us a review on iTunes, it helps us so much. All right, guys, that's it from me. Now let's jump to the show. So the first question they ask everyone that comes on is, uh, how did you get your job? I started when I was 12 years old um, with the internet when I moved to, when my parents moved to the United States. Uh, I didn't really speak English at that time, uh, so I didn't have any friends, and I found computers to be my friend and started, uh, you know, playing games and learning, you know, how to, how I could play games in school, and that's what led me to build, like, you know, websites that bypass school's firewalls so I could start playing playing games and then that one thing led to another and I started building websites for other people. Um, and then, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. So, um, uh, what was your first company and when did it start and how old were you? Uh, the first, the first, first, first website was a proxy website. I was 12 years old and I was running ads on it. And if you're not familiar with proxy, it basically helps you, you know, route your traffic through a different server, almost like a VPN. Um, and I was 12 years old. That what that didn't make me a whole lot of money. It was like a few bucks a day on that. Uh, and then, you know, kind of went <laughs> went on and started building websites. And I was selling those websites for quite cheap at that time. Uh, you know, the ones that people really know me now is WP Beginner and Optin Monster. WP Beginner started in 2009 um, as a WordPress blog. And Optin Monster started in 2000. 13. So in 09, I was, when I started WP Beginner, I was 18 years old. And when I started Optin Monster, I was 23. Yeah, got you. So um, I'd love to hear like, like how did WP Beginner start? Um, did you go to, did you go uh, to college um, and study? Uh, what, 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 what exactly happened? How'd you, cause you said you were, you were, you were building websites for other people yeah. and yeah, so I all throughout high school I was building websites on custom, you know, PHP frameworks, not necessarily WordPress. And when I started college, I did go to college. Uh, when I started college, I wanted to get rid of a lot of those clients that I had, and I wanted them to switch to a platform where they could just maintain their own websites, so they're not pinging me or one of my guys. Um, as I shifted my focus more towards, um, you know, like higher level traffic consulting. So I basically, you know, gave them, gave all the clients an option. Hey, we're not going to be able to maintain your websites anymore. You have an option. You pay us this upfront amount and we'll switch you over to WordPress. And then you'd be able to make all the changes, et cetera, yourself. And, you know, a good portion of the clients said, yes, they would do that. Others said, you know, we'll just go find someone else. I'm like, that's fine. So the ones that said, yes, we converted their website over to WordPress. And I thought that we had gotten rid of them. But that was not the case. They kept coming back to us asking, hey, how do you do this in WordPress? And how do you do that in WordPress? Like different WordPress related questions. So I asked like, you know, several of the other agencies at, at the time, hey, what resource do you guys recommend people to? And there was none. You know, people were like, hey, yeah, we just have a PDF guide with, you know, a bunch of common WordPress questions that we get. Um, and then there was like, you know, some folks that were selling WordPress training and charging, you know, hundreds of dollars for it. And I'm like, well, I know these guys, my clients are not going to go pay hundreds of dollars for like some video course. So I said, you know, PDFs are very, very hard to maintain. Why don't I just create a resource that my clients will find useful and I'm sure other people's clients will too. And that gave birth to WP Beginner. And lo and behold, you know, we were the first site at the time for beginners um, and it really took off. Yeah, I see. So 
Uh, it's a WordPress resource based site. And um, how, how did you build it up? Um, uh, do you, like, like, where's it at right now? Like, um, in terms of, can you give us a, a bit of a gauge on traction? Just so, like, because um, it's just quite a large site. Yeah, uh, it's it's the largest WordPress resource site um, on the planet. Actually, it receives multi-million page views um, a month, and we use you know WP Beginner to you know acquire or build WordPress plugins or you know marketing software. Uh, that now powers over 5 million websites. Yeah. Wow. Um, so how did you first, like, how did you start to build that, that blog and, and build it up, man? Um, because yeah, it just started off as content, but, but now you, as you said, um, you have a, like a, a suite of software tools as well that you recommend or offer. Yeah. So, so, you know, I started out with just answering a bunch of the client questions and then really he went on Twitter at that time, Twitter was quite new and started looking at, Hey, you know, there's some serious like opportunity here, uh, went on Twitter search and just looked at what questions people were asking about WordPress. So, you know, if you go on search.twitter.com and, and, you know, click on the advanced thing, you can type in any keyword and then there's a checkbox underneath that says question. And what that does, it, it lets you search tweets based on, you know, the ones that are questioned. So I said, Hey, show me all questions on Twitter that are about WordPress. And at that time, Twitter really didn't have much spam. It was, you know, just like people's tweet and not bot tweets. So I basically went through those questions and created, started creating blog posts around those and replying to each person saying, hey, you know, here's we answered your question. And that got a lot of word of mouth going. Uh, I also used uh, dig.com. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar back then. It was similar to Reddit, but way bigger than Reddit at the time. And uh and I had like power user profiles on Dig uh, from for my marketing side of the business. So I used my power user profiles and connections on Dig to to also get you know WP Beginner on the front page on Dig several times, and that got us traction. And really, we were we were the first of its kind. So a lot of other agencies, freelancers, and developers started recommending WP Beginner to their clients because we were doing the work for them. And then um, you know that led to other people started recommending WP Beginner, like other bloggers, let's say uh, Darren Rouse from ProBlogger started recommending WP Beginner, you know, for people who were looking for technical help, you know, because he was talking about blogging and blogging strategies. And, you know, other other influencers like Darren and several of my other friends in the affiliate space started recommending WP Beginner. So, you know, we started building quite a huge following and, you know, people would come to us looking for suggestions on which is the best software or plugin to do X, right? And that was a huge opportunity for us, or which is the best theme to do X. So we started partnering with different theme companies and different plugin companies. Um, and, you know, I started doing this annual census with our audience. You know, once a year, would ask, hey, you know, what if you could have us build one thing, what would it be? And people would say, hey, you know, I would like for you to build an opt-in software or a contact form software or what have you. And we basically went from there and started like, you know, building because I had a team, we built, um, opt-in monster, a sharing plugin. Those were like some of the top requests. And that started like getting a lot of traction. We're like, Hey, this is like, if we can, could serve to make a lot more money for us, uh, by just funneling the leads to our software side of the business. So then we, then I went on and acquired a gallery software for photographers in gallery and soliloquy because, you know, our users wanted it. And that that turned out to be quite well. 
Then um, we built a contact form because people wanted a contact form software because apparently there weren't enough. I mean, I thought there were enough contact forms, but people were like, no, they're, none of them are easy, et cetera, et cetera. So we did you know, a bunch of client interviews or user interviews and get their thoughts on what's not easy about it. And then we went out and built WP Forms, and now that's running on over 1 million website. Uh, then we acquired another solution for Google Analytics uh, because people said, hey, it's really hard for us to connect WordPress to Google Analytics and do it properly. So, you know, I went out and looked at uh, different solutions in the market. The most popular one was by Yoast uh, and I approached Yoast and it was the right timing for them. And they, they sold us Yoast Analytics and I rebranded it to Monster Insights. And that runs on about 1.9 million sites now. So, you know, that, that it was like one thing led to another, but really taking what our users wanted and just giving it to them. Yeah, amazing, man. This is really interesting. So um, quite a few questions here. Um, I love what, what you shared, you know, just, just polling and, and getting a census and finding out what your audience wants and then essentially using WP Beginner as that hub so that media entity to build your audience, build your community, then finding out other ways to serve them. Just coming back on WP Beginner, like just out of curiosity, like how much content um, were you posting or do you post right now on the side and and obviously um, to, to build its traction and, and maintain it? Yeah, so in the earlier days, it wasn't very consistent. Um, we would average like, you know, one content piece a day um, on the on the business days. Um, but, you know, there would be time when we, we would skip a day in the in the beginning and then just have like three or four pieces on one day just because we were basically looking on Twitter and seeing oh, there's a bunch of questions today that we can answer and we would just go answer it on the blog. So there wasn't a lot of consistency in the earlier days, but over time it was like, okay, you know, we, as we started building a regular audience, we have to post content consistently. And, and now we're posting one piece a day, Monday to Friday. And then, um, you know, we're constantly updating older articles that might get outdated, which is something that many websites don't do. But because our users come to trust us to provide them the best information, we go back and, you know, we're constantly updating. There are over 2,000 pieces of uh, content on WP Beginner right now. Got you. So you got about 2,000 pieces. Um, awesome. And, you know, you, you've mentioned that you, you acquired um, a, a few different software companies. So um, first thing I'm curious around is, is how big is your team when you acquire these companies? Are you are you bringing in the team as well inherently, and and everyone's working remotely, or or how does that work usually? What's the strategy there? Yeah, so our entire team is remote. I am based in Palm Beach, Florida. Majority of us are in the United States, but we also have people overseas in Pakistan, India, Singapore, you know, other countries as well. And and yeah, so when we are acquiring uh, these different software. Like the Yoast software that we acquired, that was just a software acquisition. No team was part of it because Yoast also had another software, Yoast SEO, which everybody knows about is the most popular SEO plugin. So he wanted to keep his team for that and really focus on the SEO side. And analytics was not really getting the attention from his team. Uh, and from for their business, it didn't make sense. So we just bought the software and the user base of that plugin. Um, the other one that I acquired, uh, Inbira Gallery and Soliloquy, it was more of a merger um, than a, than a straight up acquisition because it was it was like I I bought into it. Um, my co-founder in Optin Monster, which is a product that we built from the grounds up, 
um, he had created those other two companies before this. And, you know, he was a developer uh, by trade. So he wanted to partner with me to help with marketing on that. So we, we ended up rolling those two softwares into, into the company. And yes, there was one employee that was, that was, you know, working on, on that. So it was a small roll up on, on that side. And then we just acquired another analytics software for WordPress. And again, this was developed by a solo developer. Um, he just, you know, he had built it. He was not really um, monetizing it very well and he wanted to go do something else. So, so we basically acquired the software piece of it and the user base, but not the team because it was, you know, he was working on it by himself. Yeah. Got you. So from the sounds of it, a part of your strategy is, is to acquire, uh, perhaps like assets or, or assets that are, that are not maybe performing as well. Um, as they could, or or you've got, or they they lack. Like there might be a good piece of software, but doesn't really have a, a significant user base. Um, but you guys have a, a massive uh, user base because you've got that hub with WP Beginner, and um, yeah, kind of just just seem to to bring on these tools. Is is that is that a good? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Okay. So yeah, that's 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 a that's a very good point. You know, we we're looking at you know pretty much like value investing, except on the software side. You know, we look at software that has a lot of value for our readers, but the value is not being, you know, um, fully leveraged by the existing company that's running it. And we just go in and try to make a deal that that happens because we we know what we can do with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't call it a, dis- a distressed asset, but um, yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's an underutilized asset. Correct. Yeah. So... Basically, um, part of your strategy, like how do you value the these these plugins? Like, obviously, I know SaaS. Uh, you know, you can get a, a multiple revenue of seven to fifteen x. How, how are you valuing these these plugins? Yeah, so WordPress plugins don't trade at a SaaS multiple. Yes. Um, you know why? Primarily for primarily for the biggest reason is that SaaS is monthly recurring revenue. And most WordPress plugins, because WordPress is still a relatively new-ish economy, like it's maturing, but it's not like, you know, as mature as, as SaaS. Um, it's, WordPress plugins are downloadables. So one can download it and never renew the subscription. Okay. Um, kind, of, kind of like think like Adobe Photoshop. If you were, if you had Adobe Photoshop, let's say whatever, 4.0, 5.0, one of the older versions, right? You downloaded it, you paid one time, and then you didn't upgrade for two years or three years. So the recurring is not as predictable. And WordPress companies in the earlier days didn't even have automatic recurring billing. So, so you know, because these are run by developers um, who, and it was, you know, they're usually first rodeo to business. So that's why WordPress companies don't trade as SaaS, SaaS multiple because they don't have uh, recurring revenue. Now, some of them do, right? The more sophisticated WordPress businesses do have predictable monthly recurring revenue and they will trade it at that level. But the ones that we are acquiring are underutilized, often don't have significant revenues. So multiples are, you know, quite attractive for us. Yeah. Can you give us a, are you doing a model of revenue? Uh, like, can you give us kind of a gauge? Just out of curiosity, man. Yeah. It, 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 it really, really varies per deal. Like, for example, we bought exact metrics. Well, which it was formerly called um, Google Analytics dashboard for WordPress. The, the plugin made no money. OK, so, so you can't really value it based on EBITDA or, or any revenue trade because it had no revenue. What it had was over one million users on it. 
Mm, so how how did you value it on users so, software? I like <laughs> we 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 valued it. You know, of course, on what we could do with it, but um, not not to full potential, obviously. Um, and yes, we did we did give a multiple on the, on the number of installs, but really the i i'm not i'm not at the discretion to share the numbers on the on the acquisition numbers yeah of but course. but it but it's like you know it's the it's the highest price we were willing to pay pay and the lowest price the seller was willing to accept let's put yeah. it that way okay all right yeah no this is interesting man so you know you said um that a lot of wordpress plugins i know again quite technical but just out of curiosity don't really trade um at, at like a SaaS level valuation or uh, I've always wondered, like, you know, I looked at Thrive Themes. We we literally installed Thrive Themes um, for founder just, just for various reasons. And um, I was looking at it and I was like, you know, they're, they're giving me like a, you know, $19 for a one-off license. Like why isn't this recurring? And then I saw that they do have another option, um, which is a recurring option, but yeah, like why? Why is that? Because there are some plugins that I do see that are recurring. Like, yeah. So, so I'm really curious why. Why don't people do that? Uh, it's uh, it has to do with a little bit, little bit of technical and a little bit of the you know the rules around WordPress. So, when you build a WordPress plugin, you're not really making it. Most people, at least, don't make it connect with their host server. You know, versus a SaaS application you're connecting with an API, you're connecting with something that's giving you all the stuff. WordPress, with us being a self-hosted platform, everything is running from, from your website. So the cost to you know, run a plugin or whatnot is zero for the, well, almost zero for you know, technical costs, is almost zero for the business. The, their main cost is you know, future development and support. Uh, not necessarily you know, how much of bandwidth it was gonna cost. That, that never comes into question. And because it's it's a lot easier to just build a downloadable software, um, often WordPress companies don't think about um, building a you know a hosted solution offering you know APIs and SaaS like that they can charge you know recurring recurring subscription for. So that's that's number one reason. The other the other reason is well you can say well you can technically lock the plugin with just a key and never you know connect it to SaaS. We, while you could do that, that's not allowed by the WordPress Foundation because WordPress is licensed under GPL, which means that the user should have the freedom to use your software however they please. So the only way for you to really lock the software is to offer your service behind a SaaS portal like we do at Optin Monster, right? So Optin Monster is, is an app and our WordPress plugin is just a connector for our app. Does that make sense? So, like, if you were, if you had a live chat company, your live chat, you know, offering is an app. The WordPress plugin just embeds the code on your website. Yes, so, yes, yes. So, so like that's, a that's Hotjar. The, Hotjar, I think, do something exactly. like that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You can take Hotjar for example. That's an app, and their WordPress plugin just embeds the code. Versus, if you were getting Thrive Themes, you're getting everything in a download, right? So technically, you don't really have to renew it um, to keep that. Of course, like you know, let's say WordPress updates. And now for some reason, one of the aspects of Thrive is not working. Well, you don't have access to updates unless you pay them. So, so that's, that's the model that WordPress has gone. Uh, you know, more and more WordPress companies are becoming sophisticated and are able to tie their you know, services to an API. So then they can like, you know, kill off the access if once the license expires. 
but it's a it's a tricky balance. Mm. So for you, with all these software software you know different services that you're acquiring, are they all? Are you going for that? For that model, recurring with with, with offering re, like you know recurring revenue plans, no one-off plans, or, or what's the play here? What's the strategy? Or are you going to keep acquiring more and more, and then offer some sort of recurring revenue for for the whole bundle with you know your whole kind of everything you need WordPress resource? Or yeah, so so there's there's few ways you can mitigate in in the WordPress ecosystem to make recurring revenue. The easiest thing is to have automated billing. Right. So if you like which most companies don't do, by the way, which is surprising. Right. You buy a plugin, they will not they will actually ask you to renew manually. We have That's automated crazy. renewing. Right. Yeah. So most most people, majority of the people would, you know, would never cancel that subscription. So they will continue to renew because it's automated billing. Uh, the other thing that we are doing is, yes, we are finding ways to connect our offering to an API is SaaS, so that we can kill you know, certain some of the features are connected to our API, which means that they will those features will not be available once your premium license expires. For example, um, Monster Insights is one of the plugin that we bought from Yoast and you know rebranded it to Monster Insights. It it helps you connect with Google Analytics, and um, and you know like basically send all the data to Google and then bring all the data back. While you know if if you were to not renew your license, let's say after a year. While you, you know, Monster Insights will continue to send all the data to Google Analytics, but it, you will not be able to see the reports inside your WordPress dashboard, which is one of the main reasons why people use Monster Insights, because because they don't want to learn Google Analytics. They just want simple stats that are right inside their WordPress dashboard. Well, they won't have access to that because that is coming from our API. Um, so, so, yeah, so that's, that's an example of how when we acquire a plugin, we, we like connect it to a SaaS so that you know, there's more reasons for people to renew. Mm, yeah. So basically, you know, just for everyone listening, the overarching overarching strategy is, I guess, you know, the real, like if you're, if you're going for this software, you know, building a software type business, I think the real power is, is creating a, a tool or a utility that serves that or impacts that person's business. So in the case of WordPress, um, if you have a plugin that's really, really useful, really, really valuable um, for a small fee of, you know, anywhere between five to, you know, 10, 15, 20, whatever dollars per month, people will openly and happily pay for that tool as long as it keeps providing value. You can see that return on investment or, you know, it, it's it's fulfilling that purpose and it has strong lock-in. There's no reason that anyone would leave. So from a business model standpoint, it wouldn't make like it just doesn't it's not a it's not a sound sense to just sell it as a one-off as opposed to having some form of lock-in providing that value making a utility-based tool that you have recurring revenue not only it does it breed predictability with recurring revenue but also um from a valuation standpoint is um yeah just just way more powerful right is, is that a good kind of summary Absolutely, absolutely. That's 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 right on point. And to answer your other question in terms of what are our plans for acquiring, um, and whether we're looking to bundle or not, now I wouldn't say we're looking to bundle. We're just looking to you know fill the success gaps for our audience, right? Um, we know that there there's massive there are massive gaps um, in 
the user, uh, an average business owner, and their ability to be successful with their website, whether it is through an opt-in form um, like Opt-in Monster, whether it is through a contact form like W form, whether it's through analytics. And there's like a suite of tools or you know areas that are missing or not doing their job properly. We're just looking at those success gaps, identifying those with our user census, identifying those with you know what people are searching for in our website search bar and things like that, and then going out and filling those. Mm. So one thing um, that that I'm curious with around the strategy side is, man, like you know when you when you're building a business, right? You kind of want to like I guess your your lane is WordPress, right? And and a lot of people you know do well and they just focus on you know one certain lane. Like let's say it's just opt-in forms or it's just analytics. Um, and, and you're going for really like a very, very broad kind of whole package solution. Um, is focus difficult? Do you think that this will be a problem over time? Um, because you're, you know, like once you bring on that plugin, yes, you can recommend because you've got your hub with um, WordPress beginner. So you're targeting anyone that's technical that use has a WordPress site. But yeah, like are, are you concerned or? Has that thought crossed your mind around focus and and niching down or absolutely yeah so that that's that's definitely uh, has you know crossed my mind um so a few 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 things number one, you have to have an organizational structured um to address that because if you don't have the right organizational structure, you are gonna you know run into issues um where you're not able to give focus to specific products um or one side of the business will suffer at the expense of the other. Um, other script. So that will that will definitely happen and you have to have the right team members in place and the right organizational structure. For example, I am not um, day-to-day involved in Optin Monster anymore. Um, you know, there's a there, there's a president of Optin Monster. Um, that's my oh, co-founder. Okay. And he's running he's running the whole day-to-day um, of Optin Monster. And you know the same thing happens on WP Forms, right? I have a I have a co-founder in WP Forms. And these are these are all separate entities. So while the connecting glue and hub to all of this is WP Beginner as the media and the marketing, but each of the other software entities are its own entities, its own businesses, which has advantages because we can at any time sell any one of them, um, you know, for the for the right offer. We had a we had a very successful exit um, from our photography suite in December of 2017, where we sold our gallery and slider software that we had. Um, as a package suite, and and it was a very very good deal, and it was a lot easier for us because we had them as separate entities instead of all being part of one um, one umbrella entity. Because our finances were very clean, our books were very very clean, everything was you know very easy for anybody to read, and you know when you have that, it makes it very easy. So whenever I'm going into a business, I also have an exit in mind. Of course, you shouldn't you shouldn't go into a business without an exit in mind. Um, but you know. No, in, in terms of like, oh, acquiring new software, would that hurt your overall strategy? Um, I don't think so because we have a, we have, we have a single, single goal. We want to build growth tools, okay? Tools that help our, our business grow. A photography suite, while it was a really good utility, um, did not, did not you know, fit in the bigger picture. We were not as easily able to cross-sell our other software. So when we were acquiring, the, uh, when we were acquiring plugins and user bases, 
our goal is, okay, not how much money we can make by improving this existing software, but also how much, you know, we can make from cross-selling and upselling our other products. And so what we're, you know, with our future acquisitions, we're going to be staying within a, within a small niche, uh, which we believe is, is, you know, is the opportunity right now. Yeah. Growth tools. Yeah. I like that. That, that makes sense. So that, that brings more sense to, to that. And it kind of answers that focus question, right? Right. Yeah. So still though, like with these different softwares, um, that you're acquiring, do you put them under separate, like they obviously they have their own domain. Do they have their own blog or do you focus all content side on WP beginner and that collects all leads and does all marketing or can you talk me through that part and, and, yeah, and absolutely. support and stuff like, are you using yeah shared, shared support, like using economies of scale or. Yeah, no. So, so everything is separate. Um, you know, in terms of economy of scale, support really does not scale when you when you have products as big as the ones that we have. Like you can, you know, just training a support agent, onboarding a support agent, and have them be well versed in all products is just impossible. So no, we ha- we actually have dedicated people for each product. Um, we have a process that scales, right? And that's that's where that's where we're really really good at um, in onboarding a support agent. You know, putting them through the same process that we've learned. You know, and then applying that to every new product that we acquire. Um, we do have, you know, a unique website, a, a new, you know, payment account, et cetera, and all that for every, every product that we acquire, every business that we have. Um, each of the websites also have their own blogs. Um, some are more active than the others. For example, Optin Monster's blog is top-notch, really focused on the conversion stuff. It's killer. The content that the, the Optin Monster team puts out, um, is completely killer. Again, Optin Monster content team is separate from you know the WP Forms content team or the WP Beginner content team. Now they all talk to each other and help cross promote each other, but they are you know their workload is completely separate and they're working on their dedicated projects. Um, and and you know like so 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 yeah so that's that's the part. Like for example, Monster Insights blog is not as active as WP Beginner's blog, right? So yes, our biggest content arm is WP Beginner, but we also have new pieces of content going out on Optin Monster and WB Forms and Monster Insights, et cetera. Optin Monster's content is by, you know, by far like the most top notch pieces of content compared to, compared to let's say a WP Forms, which is a form builder. There's very, your content opportunities are not as big as it is with, you know, a niche like conversion optimization, but we still do put content out on WP Forms as well as um, Monster Insights. Got you. So you're running, all separate siloed companies. Yes, to an extent, they're siloed, but you know they, we're all part of the same Slack. Everybody has access to everybody, and you're learning from each other's processes, and you get to improve very, very fast this way. You know, maybe something worked on Optin Monster, and then WP Forms can borrow it. Something worked on Monster Insights, and Optin Monster can borrow it. So they're all talking to each other. But yes, for in terms of focus, they are they are working on you know siloed focuses. Hmm. Wouldn't you get more leverage though from a content standpoint, or or, or some some kind of I guess um, functions of the business to to uh, I guess uh, make it one? You know, we had it at one as one. You in did, the, you did. And yeah, we did. Um, in the earlier days, we had this one. Um, With as, that idea we, of, of leverage, like I said, yeah? Right, right. And we, we, fought, we found that we can keep the leverage going while increasing our content output 
by having more focus and just cross communication. And, and that, that has tended to work really, really well for us. And we've been able to, you know, grow our domain authority, um, you know, grow our organic rankings for just about every single one of our softwares. Um, so, yeah, so we had it at, as one, you know, in the earlier days to keep costs down. Um, and we were very measured with our content output. Now, um, you know, as every single business has grown and, and has become, you know, its own beast that, you know, we need we need dedicated folks that are specific in that team. Um, and, you know, this this is the only way you can have a remote company communicate efficiently and know exactly what's going on with that product when each product is its own organism and ecosystem. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because you guys are all remote. Because I was going to say, I was just about to ask you, like, um, man, it sounds very messy. Like, uh, is, is it difficult? Like, like how, how do you check in with so much going on? You know, like how often are you checking in with each kind of, I guess, president or COO or CEO of, of each entity? Right. So I, I don't know if you've read a book called uh, Traction. Yes. Um, yes. Great but, you know, book. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so, you know, we, we use uh, a lot of the concepts shared in Traction, uh, we have a weekly L10 um, with with like you know all the all the presidents and um, you know where I where I get an update on what's going on in their stuff and then after that whatever meetings they're having with their team and communication that's kind of their their thing I I'm not part of all those meetings uh, you know and we are we're 42 people right now and three more joining over the next two weeks so it'll be 45 people and you know I don't know any other way to operate I've I've always worked from uh, work remotely so. I don't know what I'm missing. Yeah, yeah, no, gotcha. That's awesome, man. And um, yeah, you you got killing it. So, so tell me, um, like many more acquisitions in mind. How many do you have on the horizon? When do you think it will stop? Like, ha, ha, you know, I wish I knew when it would stop. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, you know we're. We're not we're not like uh, the type of company that say, oh, we have to commit to buying this many companies, right? That's not that's not our that's not our way of doing it. We are always in the market looking for you know the best deal. Um, you know we we make few bets, um, but bigger bet, big bets, um, and where we see the return is going to be immense. Uh, so it's really really like taking the value investing concept and bringing it to um, our industry. Yeah, got you and. When it comes, because they're all separate entities, how do you pull the cash um, to to actually fund the these these acquisitions? Then, yeah. So the way I've structured it, it's very similar to a private equity company does, where you have a limited partnership um, entity that you know that that has you know ownership stakes in all the other companies, um, and it makes it. Uh, it makes it quite easy to manage and it's a proven method, right? PE firms have been doing it for forever. So, so yeah, so that, that makes, you know, cash flows, you know, if you, if you want to learn about how, how PE firms, you know, get cash flow rolled up, that's how, that's how we do it. Um, in terms of management, one, one of the things that, you know, I discovered that was easier is that we, like I have an entity that that's entire purpose is, is an empty entity with whose purpose is management only. So that's that's where we hire all the employees um, from. So and and that that just makes payrolls, legal compliance, et cetera, et cetera, very easy. So essentially, you can say we have our own outsourcing company, <laughs> but it's not really outsourcing; it's the management company. Um, and that company has contracts with individual 
entities that I have um, to, you know, source employees from. Yes, got you. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, so no, man, sounds sounds yeah, sounds like you got it all pretty working pretty smoothly. Awesome. So, um, look, we have to work towards uh, wrapping up, Syed. But dude, great conversation. I'm really enjoying just really understanding how how you roll and and everything you got going on. But um, two more questions. Uh, kind of the the, the first one is uh, where's the best place people can find out more about yourself and your work. And my second question is um, just any parting words that you'd like to share with, uh, our audience just from your journey of uh, being, you know, I guess a longtime successful founder and, and just, uh, you know, dominating a, a really com- like a competitive market. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you can find everything about me at SayedBalki.com. Um, I'm at SayedBalki and just about every other social platform uh, if you want to follow there. In terms of parting wisdom, few few words. Uh, number one, everything starts small. Uh, don't ever like try to compare your chapter one with somebody's chapter thirty-four or chapter one hundred. You have to start small and and you know build it bigger one step at a time. It's a journey. Um, you know, building businesses is a journey. And then um, and then the other thing is really leverage success gaps. If you don't know what I'm talking about, success gaps, go Google it. Um, you're, if, as long as you're helping your customers, your users be successful, you're going to find more success uh, and more success and more success. As long as you stay true to that, um, you're going to be all right. Awesome. Well, look, thank you so much, Syed. Uh, absolute pleasure, mate. And uh, yeah, really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me, Nathan. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.